morning. So I'm going to be bringing God's word to us this morning in reading the Bible. The passage is John 6, 25 to 59. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give us that that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise him up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which, is a, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give up his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. 
Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is the real food, and my blood is the real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. It's great to be able to sing like that, and I hope that you're enjoying singing at home uh, in your place. A couple of things that... uh, Uh, Just a a couple of things I want to say before we get into God's word. Uh, One is that uh, that, uh, last week, uh, some of you uh, were trying to make comments on the uh, Facebook page and having difficulty doing so. Uh, We understand the problem. We've forgotten to switch on the comments section. But that's live now. We've got two social moderators here, ready and willing and waiting for your comments to... Uh, so why don't you uh, comment, say, hi, I'm here, and they'll get back to you and they'll welcome you. We'd love to hear from you. So add your comments so we can know who you are and others can uh, know and be encouraged by what you've got to say. The second thing is that uh, today we are starting a new series of sermons. Uh, you may remember that uh, early on this year we started with uh, John's Gospel. We're going to come back to John's Gospel now for a, a month or so. And so uh, you might want to grab a Bible, have it open in front of you, and we're going to be looking at John 6 today. But let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your word. We do pray that as we come to consider it now, that uh, you would be, by your spirit, giving us uh, insight and understanding, that we would know uh, Jesus better and that we would love and serve and trust in him. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. There's an ad on television at the moment, which you may have seen. It uh, it shows an older man who's got one of those uh, deep, gravelly voices, which I certainly can't do. And uh, and he's sitting in his car. And he says that, uh, that Dad taught me the value of hard work, Uh, Mum taught me to back myself as he drives away in his prestige car. Do you know the ad? What's the message in that? Well, the message is that he's made it, that he's successful, that he's found satisfaction. You can tell all of that because of the car that he drives. We all like to find meaning and satisfaction in life, don't we? And perhaps we do so through relationships or perhaps through career or perhaps through possessions, uh, perhaps through just being comfortable or a combination of all of those things or some of those things, which, which are good things. They can be very good things in themselves. But satisfaction can be elusive. Uh, for many things in life are simply not satisfying. There is disappointment. There is sorrow. There is suffering. And even the success that we enjoy can leave us still craving for more. 
Now, this, of course, is an issue, perhaps the big issue, which we would expect uh, Jesus to address. And he does so in John chapter 6, which you might want to have open in your Bibles in front of you. Let me say something first about context, because it's been a while since we've been in John's Gospel. Uh, Jesus and his disciples were based in the city of Capernaum, uh, which is... Uh, on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. However, uh, in our passage today, they had gone by boat across to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, where in verses 1 through to 15, a great crowd of people had gathered around Jesus. It was a remote place. And over time, during that day, the disciples became very anxious about this huge crowd of people, anxious that uh, people would be hungry, anxious that they needed to be fed. How would that happen? How would they be fed? Well, it led to an extraordinary event, and that is that Jesus miraculously produced food in abundance. From just five loaves of bread and two small fish, Jesus miraculously fed thousands and thousands of people. And they were satisfied. We know that they were satisfied because there was plenty of food left over. That night, the disciples boarded their boat uh, and, and sailed back across the Sea of Galilee towards Capernaum. But Jesus did not go with them. He stayed. At least that's what uh, people thought. But you see, a little bit later, when others weren't around, Jesus also set out across the lake. Not by boat, but by foot. That is, he miraculously walked five and a half kilometres on the water and then caught up with the boat that the disciples were in and joined them. The the next day, people uh, were puzzled. They were puzzled because Jesus was missing, but there were no boats missing. Where was he? Where had he gone? Eventually, some of them got into boats themselves and travelled over across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum, where they found him there. Friends, that is the context That is the context for a conversation and for teaching from Jesus which can change lives, which can change even your life. For having found Jesus, in verse 25 they have a question. Rabbi, they said, when did you get here? Now, I think a more interesting question would have been, Rabbi, how did you get here? That would have been more interesting, but check out his answer to them in verse 26. Jesus answered saying, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs and because you ate, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He doesn't answer their question, does he? But instead what he does do is he strips away their motives in order to expose their real need. What do they think is their need? A miracle worker who can heal their sick? A, uh, someone who can do incredible uh, miracles to fill their stomachs? No doubt these things are good, 
But the miracles of Jesus are described as being miraculous signs. Why is that? Why signs? Well, what do signs do? They tell us something. Well, they point us in a direction. There's a sign on the front of our church door at the moment, a sign which says that church services here are not happening. We're closed down, but you can join us online through the live stream. And we're glad that you've joined us that way. But you see, if someone to arrive at the church staring at the sign, that's not going to help them. It'll only help them if they do what the sign says, if they go to where the sign points them. And here, the food in their stomach is just a sign which points to the real issue. In verse 27, Jesus says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now, I've never forgotten a conversation I had once with an elderly man who was a a wealthy businessman. And I spoke to him just a, a few weeks or so before he died. And in that conversation, he told me of how hard he had worked He told me of the the business empire that he had built and now he lamented that he was no longer in control as his life was slipping away. We may achieve some satisfaction through the things of this world but we soon become hungry again and at best it is only ever temporary. Yet our existence Our lives are not temporary. Our existence goes on into all of eternity. And so Jesus says that therefore we shouldn't be working for food which perishes, but we should be working for food which continues to satisfy uh, into all of eternity. That work, says Jesus in verse 29, is to believe in the one that God has sent. It's a remarkable conversation, this one, isn't it? Because it started out by them questioning Jesus about how he arrived on the other side of the lake, and pretty soon he's now challenging them to invest their lives in him. That's a big challenge. And so in verse 30, they've got another question for him. They ask him, what sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, when God rescued Israel out of Egypt and and brought them into the desert, how did God provide for them? There's normally not a lot of food in the desert for many thousands of people. How did God feed them? What did they eat? Well, they ate bread. It was called manna. And it miraculously appeared every morning on the ground six days a week as a gift from God. 
And so what they're saying here to Jesus is saying, well, that's what God did for our forefathers in the past. What about you? What sign can you give to us? Now, what's the problem with their question? Well, what had happened to these people just the very day before? It seems that they were so satisfied to be relieved of their hunger through the miraculous feeding that they failed to join the dots. Because when you see thousands of people being miraculously fed, that is the sign. That is the sign that he who rescued Israel out of slavery in Egypt and provided for them in the desert, that he's doing it again. Today we'll be sharing together in the Lord's Supper and we're going to eat some bread and we're going to drink some wine. Just ordinary bread. (laughs) There's nothing special about the bread that we eat. We bought ours from Coles. And you probably won't be drinking actual wine. Um, Here we've got Ribena. That doesn't matter, does it? Because these are just symbols. These are just symbols of a profound reality. In the same way that the bread of John chapter 6 is also a symbol. More than that, it is, better. It, is, it is a sign of a greater reality. What sign will you give us? They blindly asked. In verse 32, Jesus answers, Very truly I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. True bread, life to the world. It's a great promise. And so they said in verse 34, always give us that bread. We want some of that. And then Jesus declared... I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, I love, the kind of bread I love is that bread that you buy which is uncut. You know the type of mean, just a block of bread and you get your bread knife and you can, I can cut it really thick. Stick it in the toaster and then smother it with butter and Vegemite. It's great. I love that kind of bread. But it doesn't last long. Much like the satisfaction that we get from the things of this world. Friends, the miracle of the bread does much more than just feed a hungry crowd. It points us to a greater reality. The reality that Jesus is the bread. That it is Jesus who can satisfy our deepest need, our deepest hungering, our deepest thirsting. When we reflect on life, I think uh, we do realise that our deepest needs are not met by unnecessary material things. 
Uh, what we really want is acceptance, love and purpose. They're our needs. But our greatest need, one which we don't always necessarily acknowledge, our greatest need is actually forgiveness. Not just forgiveness from one another, but forgiveness from God, our creator. Now, this conversation, uh, we're told in verse 59, uh, being in Capernaum, actually took place in the synagogue at Capernaum. It was apparently that's where they found Jesus. And there is so much which is packed into it. Uh, For example, people react badly to Jesus. Um, Who does he think he is? He claims that he's come down from heaven. How can that be? We know his parents. We know that he's Mary's son and Joseph's son. We, We know who this man is. Or the promise that Jesus makes that whoever comes to him that uh, not only that will that person never but go hungry or never be thirsty, but that Jesus will never let that person go, that they are safe and secure in him. There's a lot in this passage. It's a very rich passage. But how does Jesus fulfil our deepest need? Uh, let me focus on just a few verses, starting at verse 49. Your ancestors, said Jesus, ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread which comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Dissatisfaction, tears, death. These are the experience of our lives for many reasons. But at the core, it is because of our attitude towards God. Because instead of loving and obeying God as we should, we live our lives Um, seeking satisfaction through pursuing our own desires uh, and and seeking after the the things which God has created uh, rather than the creator himself. We put ourselves above God, which means that we actually deserve God's punishment, not just in our death, but that after death we face the judgment of God. But notice what Jesus says about the living bread in verse 51. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. How would Jesus give his flesh? Well, it would not be long before Jesus would be arrested put on trial and nailed to a cross. But he died, not for his own sin, because he had none. No, when Jesus died on the cross, the penalty for our sin, for your sin, for my sin, was laid on him. He was punished in our place. 
so that we can be forgiven of all of our sin. And we know that that is true because on the third day, he was raised from the dead and returned to the Father in heaven. Forgiveness is a deeply satisfying experience. We know that in our own relationships when things have turned bad and we've done the wrong thing and we've felt dreadfully sorry and we've gone to a person, the person who we've offended or the person who we've treated poorly and we've asked for their forgiveness and they've said yes. It's a wonderful experience. To be forgiven, to be reconciled to that person. How much more wonderful it is to be forgiven by the God of the universe. And it's not just for now. See what Jesus says in verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. Notice the promise that when Jesus returns that uh, we too will be raised, that we too will be gathered by Jesus and we too will be raised into eternal life to, to live our lives with God the Father forever in his heaven. That's a great promise. But only if we eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now, what does that mean? Let me firstly say what it does not mean. When we share the Lord's Supper... The bread that we eat and the wine that we drink are not the actual body and blood of Jesus, as some falsely claim. We're not eating Jesus. We're not drinking Jesus. Uh, nor does the eating and the drinking somehow become a, a work, uh, somehow contribute to our forgiveness. If that were the case, then it wouldn't be forgiveness. It would be something that we deserve. No, the bread and the wine are just symbols. To feed on the body and to feed on the blood of Jesus means to place our trust in him, trusting that by his death and resurrection that our sins have been paid for and our future is secured. And therefore, knowing that, we now find our joy, we now find our satisfaction, we now find that the deepest desires of our hearts are met in knowing, loving and trusting in Jesus, both now and for all of eternity. There's nothing more satisfying than that. There's nothing that has the power to get us through this trials and the difficulties of this life than knowing that we are loved by the God of the universe and that our future is secured in him, that we can feed on Jesus, we can feed on him by faith with thanksgiving and be filled. There's a wonderful picture of heaven in Revelation chapter 7 where it says, Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. How's your satisfaction going? Are you feeding on the bread of this world or are you feeding on the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we want to thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he came and that he dwelt amongst us. We thank you that he's obedient to you even unto death on a cross. We thank you that by his death that he's paid the penalty for our sin, that by his resurrection that we now have a, a, a certain hope of eternal life in him. Help each and every one of us, dear God, to feed on Jesus, to always trust, love and obey him and find our satisfaction and hope in him alone. Amen.